Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Anna. And this is Ace Chats. This is season three, where we continue to chat all things health, fitness, lifestyle, parenting, fashion, family, well-being, and so much more. We have loads of amazing guests and topics to discuss on this series. As ever, if you have any questions, please drop us a message. Otherwise, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at ace.transform, where we will continue to give helpful advice and tips on all things health and wellness. Hi, guys. Welcome to Ace Chats. Um, on today's podcast, we have a really interesting guest, um, Abby. She's a physio, but she's so much more than a physio. She is essentially a health coach. Um, and it was really interesting having this chat with her. Um, the sound quality isn't fantastic, unfortunately. We did it over Zoom, um, but it's a great episode, so well worth persevering. Um, and we really hope you enjoy. So with no further ado, here we go. Where are you sitting right now? Like, where is your... So I'm um, at my my workplace, one of my workplaces, which is Sofa's House. It's um, a members club in um, Cuffley Potter's Bar area. And um, I see, nice. and, and they have various facilities here. They've got a gym, they've got meeting rooms, they've got treatment rooms, they have restaurants and things. So it's like a hub, I guess, for people to work, um, to work out and to meet clients and, and to see therapists and things. So I base myself here for um, a couple of afternoons a week, basically. And then um, I generally do my home visits, my physio home visits. And then I do my teaching on a few days a week. So I'm a bit here, there and everywhere. <laughs> no, I think it's it's better that way, no? It I keeps like it busy. Way. Yeah, I like it that way. I seem to I, I don't like to be confined within four within four walls. I figured that's just the way I am as a person. So it can get a bit busy and a bit manic when I'm rushing from one place to another, but it works for me somehow. Okay. Brilliant. Cool. Well, let's, yeah. I think let's just, if you're okay, let's head yeah. straight in. And like, like I said, I'm sure we'll get into some nice conversations because obviously our um, roles definitely overlap. Yeah. Um, so obviously, Abby, I met you first as a physio. I had a horrible car accident, which I still yeah. struggle with. And it's been about five or six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were working at Boost at the time, which was a, a local physio. And I started mm-hmm. Laura and Laura left and then you had taken over. And you were very helpful. And I always said, I'm not interested in anyone who's going to tell me I can't exercise. Like, I need someone who understands exercise. Because I think, certainly with our clients, there's very few people who come in injured where we say, absolutely Yeah. Nothing we can your way around it. But yeah. tell us, um, you're obviously a physio. Um, tell us all about yourself, how you got started, etc., And then uh, we'll take it from there. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I um, my name is Abby, um, and I am a physiotherapist by background. But I suppose my role has slightly evolved, um, particularly over the last five years. Um, so I'm a musculoskeletal physiotherapist by background. So I will see people who have um, kind of common types of back pain, knee pain, um, shoulder pain, all those kind of joint muscular related injuries that can crop up in all different types of people. Um, So that's kind of what I do for most of my week. Um, I assess and diagnose various musculoskeletal conditions and then work with these people to 
and get them better and back to what they want to do. So um, really work to improve their function and their athletic ability or just their activities of daily life or their ability to engage in these. Um, so that's um, what I do from a physiotherapy background. And then I suppose over time, based on my interests and my desire to help people as best I can in a slightly different way, perhaps, I have... Um, gone on to um, study uh, yoga and Pilates just to gain more tools in my toolbox essentially. Mm. And I liked yoga in particular and Pilates for the mindfulness aspects and breathing and and um, a lot of people that I was seeing managed um, high levels of stress in their day to day life, which we know can feed into certain painful conditions. So that those those tools or uh, the principles that I learned there helped me to um, feel more equipped to deal with lots of different types of people. Um, and then a few years ago, I um, found out about um, a, an organisation called the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine, which yeah. is um, a UK-based organisation, which is really interesting. And it's, as the name suggests, um, centred around and the use of lifestyle medicine to help um, people manage with um, and even resolve um, long-term lifestyle-related conditions such as type 2 diabetes. Um, so my role as a physio is very much physio. I have my physio hat on all the time, um, yeah. but I have various different skills from various different um, courses that I've done and I can just pick on these different skills to help me um, manage this person in a slightly different way to that person so um, I suppose my most up-to-date um, role from a clinical perspective is physiotherapy coach um, and this is okay I like yeah. it um, and this is kind of a concept that we've been talking to our physiotherapy students about. So I do a bit of lecturing um, on a part-time basis. And we're trying to teach physios as sort of allied health professionals, working with lots of other types of professionals, potentially personal trainers, nutritionists, um, doctors, nurses, and many different environments to um, have the skills to sort of coach people to take on healthier lifestyles which may well be feeding into the condition that they originally came to see you for um, right so it's a much so, more holistic approach yeah exactly yeah taking um people's lifestyles into consideration understanding how you know someone's poor sleep may feed into their um, painful condition potentially and therefore starting up a conversation about that maybe not not necessarily knowing exactly what to do but acknowledging it and perhaps if you can't you know coach someone in that specific domain in that pillar then you might signpost to someone else who can or at least start a conversation have you thought about you know how your sleep might be impacting your condition that sort of thing um and I suppose the good thing is is that lots of different health and fitness professionals personal trainers as well nutritionists i'm sure um osteopaths um, pyros physios i think we are all starting to realize that and hopefully starting to sing from the same sort of hymn sheet in the sense that 
we appreciate lifestyle and how it can affect someone's well-being and health on a day-to-day basis. Um, we definitely see from our clients that, that obviously we see um, in general, you know, when they've got like back pain, neck pain, um, often it's related either to stress Um, and things like yes that as well um but just interesting to pick up on the two things that you were saying about obviously stress and management stress management and knowing um you know where as a person where you end up physiologically holding your stress we can all feel stress but often it manifests itself in a physical way and um, so understanding that, you know, you might hold your stress in, let's say, your glutes, and that yeah. then can cause, you know, tightness in your hips and lower back. Um, mm. and, and just starting to understand that, you know, stress has a huge impact on your body. And also, yeah. obviously, the way you sleep, poor sleep, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah, it's, um, we're really just scratching the surface, really, in terms of the research and what we know about these different lives. Well, it's, it's well established. We know that there are some things that are, you know, not so good for us in terms of lifestyle and things that are, are better. But um, we're scratching the surface in terms of um, being able to know how to um, coach people into better yeah. lifestyle. There's lots of, there are many strategies out there. We know quite a lot about behavioral science and behavior change theories and stuff. And, and we can um, read about all of that until the cows come home. But applying it in a real life scenario um, can be a real challenge. And uh, I'm still learning. I'm still knowing how to communicate in a way that is, you know, encourages the person to think things think about things in a slightly different way reframing their mentality um on a particular lifestyle behavior and educating them in a way that is not so it's prescriptive without a doubt but it's we're trying to move away physio at least we're trying to move away from um telling people what to do all the time which sounds very strange <laughs> <laughs> but but moving more towards um, encouraging people to try and figure out the answer themselves or come up with the solution themselves, and um, it's really a collaborative process and not that straightforward. Um, yeah, and I was going to say it's not at all straightforward. Purely because often to make the changes, the person has to work very very hard to do it. Yeah, and if they're not kind of willing to collaborate or come up with the ideas, um, then getting them to like put in that hard work is is really hard. Yeah, and also no two people are the same. So I know when I'm working with clients, if I want two different people to do the same thing, I yeah. have to go in a completely different yeah. angle. You know exactly how to motivate people to do something, and that's something that comes with time and uh, building a relationship. But um, you know what's so interesting is because we just quickly looked at the um, British um, lifestyle. lifestyle medicine, and in fact. We had originally was introduced to it when we did our nutrition course. Yeah. Um, but so often um, GPs um, sort of don't necessarily go down that lifestyle 
um, coaching because it's so much easier, especially when you're stressed and especially when you're seeing so many patients in such a short amount of time to just prescribe rather than spend any amount of time explaining that actually there are other ways to treat certain or in combination with. Um, mm. And yeah. it's, un it's really unbelievable, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's um, a real sort of challenge for all of us, all of us who are seeing people who might need help in this kind of way. And um, uh, the, the great thing about what I find, what I found, the great thing about um, the course that I did, the diploma that I did with Lifestyle, British Society of Lifestyle Medicine, was that they not only um, sort of teach you about the different pillars of lifestyle medicine, sleep that we've spoken up being one of them, physical activity being another, and we can go into that, but they also have a whole um, separate, well, not separate, a whole bunch of modules related to health coaching and behavior change and different strategies that one can implement to start these conversations. And there's modules on motivational interviewing and brief interventions. And it just reminded me actually, Anna, when you were talking about GPs and how stretched they are for time in terms of yeah. that, those one-to-one -one inter interventions. And um, there's a strategy called brief interventions, which is perfect for a setting like that. Even if you have a full hour with someone, you still don't have a huge, that's not a huge amount of time really, if you're talking yeah. about long-term sustainable lifestyle change, but there are certain skills and tools that we can use if we only have a brief amount of time um and uh they can be helpful and sometimes they can't it's just about meeting the person where they're at and sometimes the the, the conversation is just not pitched at the right time in their life for some reason um but we'd like to hope that maybe we planted a seed and we can start encouraging people to think about things in a slightly different way which might be just the start of their journey and i think that's where you both and Ace Transform does a really good, um, an amazing job at that because you really coach people through the process, don't you? You give people the tools yeah. and there's that social connection with other people that are going through something similar to you, which is a huge part of behaviour change. Yeah, definitely. We What we always find uh, really challenging is, you know, the idea that we're going to change someone's life is no nowhere near as sexy as we're going to help you lose weight. So yeah. we kind of, you, we have to market it in a way that we're going to help you lose weight. And then in the background, we're get busy trying to make these behavioral changes, mindset changes, you know, um, and it's just so funny because if you sort of went in with, we're going to change your life for the better, no one would be very interested. But, um, uh, yeah, it's yeah, really interesting. If you promise a certain amount of weight loss, then, um, then you know, all of a sudden, you know, people are engaged. Uh -huh. um, but, but I guess, you know, what we're really also trying to do which I'm sure you are is trying to help people um with that long long-term change and and that idea that so many people go on diets and put the weight back on and go on another diet and put the weight back on and we're really trying um you know to help people with that mindset change for yeah. the long term mm -hmm. um, and for some people it happens you know within 12 weeks and they're kind mm -hmm. of you know done thank you very much and other people it just yeah. takes longer and I find that they also, you know, the people that kind of, and this is what we were saying before, the people that are kind of own up to it and say, I have to put in the hard work. And I have to be the one that makes these changes are obviously the people that have better long-term changes. 
then the people that come to us and kind of put all the responsibility on us and yeah. then they might they might lose the weight they want to lose but they haven't quite taken responsibility for themselves yes in terms of then being able to keep it off they just think well you know I've done this program and you know they've promised me this and but I'm not going but if they don't carry on afterwards then obviously they're not going to carry on seeing the benefits yeah exactly you know there will always be those two schools of people yeah but also people think when it comes to weight loss especially that if I just lose weight this time I'll be able to keep it off off. they almost put aside all of the extra stuff we encourage them to do you know Uh, because this time it's going to be different Mm -hmm. and you know unless the sort of scaffolding is put in place then the weight doesn't come off and stay off it just sort of like Charlotte said it's a temporary thing because we just following we're whole you know we're being accountable to something and therefore it's working um it's, yeah well it's challenging working with all with people full stop it is and we're, we're all complex beings aren't we and that's that's what's kind of beautiful about us as humans at the same time um but it reminds me of um i'm really passionate about behavioral science as you can probably tell but it reminds yeah. me of um like a behavioral change cycle that is relevant to all of us in lots of different um situations and it can be applied to any type of health behavior let's just say exercise physical activity yeah and um, charlotte you were talking about you know um someone you know being in the right place and being kind of ready to kind of take on the challenge of change um and that's my that might be where someone signs up to a program like yours they're like really enthusiastic i want to change i'm ready i'm in a space now where i just need a bit of support but i'm i'm I've got the green light I'm good to go um, and then they can um, kind of continue around on that change cycle until eventually hopefully um, the, the the behavior is changed and they've worked that change of behaviors into their lifestyle so without you hopefully in time um, they'll be able to continue that in their life. And then they might need you again to support them on another behaviour. And they could go around and they might not even realise that there's a certain health behaviour that could be um, changed or needs to be a little bit better, perhaps. Um, but the interesting thing is about this, and we can probably all empathise with this, because as we said, we're all just human and we all have our own um, yeah. challenges to change whatever it might be. Um, but we can bounce back from in different parts of that cycle so we can um resolve or not resolve that's the wrong word but we can find a solution build in a new habit and go all the way around the cycle and we've got that new behavior in our lifestyle now which is what we wanted but then for whatever reason it might be an emotional trauma it might be work stress it might be you know various different things that happen that are thrown at us in life they can take us back to um, not being ready to change again. So we kind of reverse, we, we go back to where we started, unfortunately, um, and we can jump between sort of, sort of two steps or go all the way back or just a few steps back and we just need a bit of coaxing again. Um, but that's the, the nuanced conversation that we could have around human brains and yeah. things that influence the human brain, which will then influence what how we act. 
So, it's interesting and I love the concept of that circle and also you know some changes in our life are instant they can be done instantly yeah. whereas some change, uh, changes often you know require a lot more effort and time and I think people get frustrated you know because they think well I managed that one so easily and it's um it's really interesting it really yeah. is and even as us professionals who are so aware of this Mm-hmm. even for us it's yeah hard. we still have our yeah, we, we subject to it aren't we to the absolutely that everyone else is um yeah and that's okay we just have to encourage each other i guess <laughs> well definitely definitely um but it takes time it really takes time i always liken it to when people come off our program and they don't um continue their shopping list so yeah. you know well on our program their food shopping list We'll have all the proteins we recommend and all the extra vegetables and all the things that are, you know, what they, you know, deem to be more dietetic. And then they come off our program and they don't carry on ordering those foods. Uh-huh. And actually, that's probably the easiest thing to carry on doing, mm. isn't it? Really? Yeah. It's in your favorites there. Um, and, and that for me has always been like, you know, if you're not carrying on that shopping list post yeah. the program, then you're not going to be able to maintain your weight because you're just going back into that old way. So, um, yeah. I always, you know, there are certain things that are so much easier that people still don't do. Um, yeah. And, and really try and um, get people to find, you know, what's what feels as little effort as possible. Yeah. And that's, that's a big part of change. I think, um, you know, one of the big things that sort of the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine have this... Um, saying or slogan I suppose and it's um, hashtag one change and it just reminds us with you know for our own lifestyle changes or when we're coaching others to just try and change one thing at a time Um, and it's really simple and almost seems too simple but actually it really helps to to make the changes more sustainable because it's not overwhelming, it's achievable, it's um, often, um, you know, measurable, you know, we can we can see how far we've come sort of thing, which ha- encourages that behaviour to, you know, stay the way it is. So I think when it comes to changing things, my main advice would be just one thing at a time and, um, with with the whole sort of you know accountability side of things i think that's also helpful to have if you have a friend a sibling a partner a spouse whoever um and i suppose when people are on your program they have each other because you have you know these conversations with each other don't you? you have those groups and they have people like you to encourage them and keep them accountable but obviously some people when they come off the programme or come off a programme of some sort, there's no one holding them accountable. And we'd like to think that we have our own internal um, motivation, but let's be honest, sometimes we just need external means, don't we, to like keep us on track. And that's also absolutely fine. And if that's a strategy that you need, you know, try to keep that going. Um, it's really interesting what you said about one change at a time, because generally most of us fall under this sort of middle area, this sort of grey area where um, where that is um, 
you know, it's something that is um, achievable and sustainable, like you said, but you often get your sort of real type A personalities and they're not interested in that. They have decided that today is the day they're going to make it and they want to know it all and they will do it from day one. And it's so interesting to watch that sort of level of, and, and you know that they're normally male and you know that they work in a certain industry and yes. uh, you kind of have to trust them that they will absolutely make all the changes you say. And for as long as they are determined to make those changes, it, they will, you know, they yeah. maintain them. It's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. And I guess it's always, it always should be a collaborative process because we know, we all know, we can all remember an experience where someone told us what to do and we were like, well, I'm not doing that. In your mind, you're like, okay. No, out loud, you're like, but in yeah. your mind, you're like, no way am I doing that. I can imagine a lot of people um, think like that when it comes to health behaviours and lifestyle. So, um, yeah, I think the other important thing is is to make sure that it's collaborative. And if someone is on the receiving end and says, I think I have capacity at this moment to change this and to change this and all of these other things, and if, if they feel that they can, that's, that's cool. Yeah, go with it the more change the better I suppose in some ways um and if it, they you know two weeks later they realize that actually five was a bit too many let's just narrow it down to two things we're going to change yeah. and try and keep that sustainable change for at least two weeks three weeks however it might be however long it might be um and then they've just learned from that process of maybe trying to do too much at once that is in itself part of the process of change mm -hmm. um yeah. It's like the January the firsters that we like to uh, <laughs> call them. The the I'm going to join the gym and I'm going to go five times a week and I'm going to change my diet and I'm going to do all these things and by week three they're not doing it all by any yeah, and then it kind of goes yeah. in the other yeah. direction, but it's like really in the other direction because yeah. that's just disheartened and annoyed and frustrated and yeah. yeah, and the only winners there are the uh, the gyms the gym, that are exactly. making the money off their memberships that you know they've signed up for a year. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's very interesting, and yeah. uh, we often like to say, you know, when people start our program, and they're like, the ten thousand steps are unachievable. We're like, okay, doesn't yeah. have to be ten thousand steps. Yeah. You know, you're only getting two thousand steps a day in, and all of a sudden now you're getting five thousand steps a day. Then that's amazing progress. Let's yeah. you know. Let's work on something that is much more achievable. Um, and that also isn't going to make you feel like a failure. Yeah. Because what you want yeah. is people to feel like they're succeed succeeding in all of these things. So Yeah. And I think the whole sort of po positive psychology is so helpful. And it is also part of, you know, behavioural science. Like, it almost feels a bit cheesy sometimes to be, you know, yeah, you're doing really well, keep going. But people love to hear that. And... Yeah. and being that we're humans we tend to have a negative bias don't we we sort of focus on the the not so good especially when it's related to ourselves like i could do better i think i can do better than this this is not a good enough but actually um it's about being kind to ourselves and actually two thousand steps extra than what you were doing last week is really good so keep stay on that train if you can and yeah. then try to ingrain that into your lifestyle so that it it just becomes automatic. It's just part of what you do then. Yeah. Exactly. And then we can have a look at you trying to get to 7,000 steps. You know, it's all about, uh, you know, Small little steps sometimes yeah. for some people. Yeah. Um, Abby, I've got a question for you. I mm. am all about 
physios. I've only ever seen physios in all of my time. I so think you're, they, you're you're saying in terms of not seeing osteos. Yes, I'm or... camp physios, but I know a lot of people go to osteopaths um, for problems that I would deem physio work, yeah. sort of mm. muscle or injuries. Um, ta- ta- can you explain the difference and why someone might go to one over the other? Because I really don't know. Yeah. Um, so lots of people ask me this question and um, I would feel more confident answering if I had an osteo next to me. And I've worked with lots of osteos in my time. So I can give a my impression, which I think is OK, um, okay. about what the difference is. Um, so I think first and foremost, um, the the main difference is that the curriculum, if you look at the curriculum on a physio degree compared to an osteo degree, they are slightly different in the terms of in terms of um, the uh, approaches that one might take to resolve a musculoskeletal issue that might come through the door. Um, so there are things that, you know, um, don't change like things like human anatomy things like pathophysiology things related to um the human body we all learn physios and osteos obviously chiros and personal trainers and you should we all learn that right so um, physios and osteos are both um well educated on the human body now um the approach in which we take to assess someone and treat someone might be slightly different so from my experience working with osteos i know that in all honesty their um assessment is very 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 in depth sometimes more in depth than physio i'm going to be honest they um i've learned a lot from osteos in terms of taking a holistic approach i must be honest um and they really look at um, on the curriculum, like the basic curriculum in terms of going through your degree course, forget any extra courses that you do. They will look at many different body systems and how one thing is influencing the other. Physio is catching up, actually, but physio has often looked at things in a very siloed way, like this is the musculoskeletal system. These are the muscles. These are the bones. These are the joints. This is the brain, which is all good. But there, in my experience, hasn't been so great at um, discussing or figuring out the integration or the influence of one body system against the other. I've always felt osteos have done that really well, but physios are now really starting to do that well. And it really depends on who you see as a physio because one, two physios can work in drastically different ways. Um, so our approaches might be slightly different um, in terms of how we, how we, um, decide to treat a, a particular condition. Physios are very much um, all about physical activity and improving function. So we're sort of known as, you know, the physio just gave me loads of exercises and <laughs> yeah. didn't really give me any treatment. Osteos tend to be a little bit more hands-on than hands-off. Physio, there's a bit of a movement to be a little bit more hands-off than hands-on. But again, it depends if you see a physio in the NHS or private practice, because physios in the NHS don't tend to touch you if you've got a musculoskeletal problem. Physios in private practice will, because yeah. there's perhaps more scope to and there's more time and things. 
Um, so I'm not sure if that's answered your question, Anna, but what I will say is that um, without talking myself out of a job, <laughs> osteos are worth exploring for sure. I'm a real advocate. Really? I think we should be, you know, we should be less competitive and more, um, you know, collaborative, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, because um, I've learned a lot from them. And um, there could be two osteos who do drastically different things. There could be one yeah. osteo and physio who work in the exact same way. Um, but I guess we, we both, as a profession, understand and appreciate the importance of exercise for health and manual therapy for health. It just might mean that your physio will do a bit more massage. Your osteo might crack your back. Um, so, um, it really depends on who you see and whether or not you see them in the NHS or in private practice. That really is interesting. And I have yeah. another question for you. Um, at the moment, and at the moment specifically, and I think it's down to stress, I have got so many clients coming in and I'm also suffering with terrible neck and jaw. Oh. And, you know, we all hold it all here. So what is your like what is your recommendation because I can't you know you just can't keep sending people to the physio to sort of chat because clearly yeah. something has to change at the core I'm also having loads of problems with um clients with posture problems you know around yeah. the shoulders sort of arching at the back uh, exactly both um, of us both of us just sat up three of us have been here so what what is your what's your sort of long term recommendation because we've obviously we shout about it to the cats come home cows come home and um, yeah, we did a, we did a nice reel to help people. Yeah, yeah. Last week. Yes. Um. So again, it goes back to lifestyle. It really does because stress management stress management is kind of um, classified within the sort of mental well being pillar when it comes to lifestyle medicine. So there are obviously some great things that one can do. In your case, Anna. Um, well, a physio will help you know with manual therapy with mo joint mobilizations and with massage and various things like that and maybe some rehabilitation to help um with posture and head position on your shoulders that sort of thing so that can address the you know the the, the physical um aspects i suppose that will, will help perhaps with your with your pain but it's also looking a bit more broadly about different lifestyle factors and obviously you both being businesswomen you are very busy you have families there are lots and lots of things that um may be you know causing stress in life that can't change you know it, those things are are um, uh, they are what they are um but sometimes i find that a lot of us don't take time for ourselves and it comes into mental well-being again we tend to prioritize everyone else before we prioritize ourselves and that I think is a that feeds in a lot to our day-to-day -day stress because um, we're the type of people in our professions to want to help people but for some reason we're not so great at helping ourselves sometimes and there are external pressures that require us to work a certain amount of hours a week we need to get this done we need to make sure the kids are dropped off at the right time and all of this but then where in the day is is the time for us 
apart from yeah. when we go to bed and lay our head in the pillow on the pillow and still then we're thinking yeah. about what we've got to do tomorrow <laughs> yeah. so I've been talking to my husband about it recently and because we've noticed we're kind of in that space at the moment where you know our shoulders aching our neck is aching and there's nothing physically wrong there we you know but we know it's our sign that we're not quite looking after ourselves in perhaps one of those lifestyle rounds and for us it is emotional well-being and it can be physical activity related because you know there's we're not moving enough in a week we might be glued to our laptop for five hours and before you know it the day is over and we haven't even moved and um and we uh, might be a little less disciplined and going to bed at half past 11 instead of half past nine and we're getting five hours sleep instead of seven and it's because we just wanted to watch that extra episode of whatever because that helped us wind down but actually you've got to prioritize here yeah yeah <laughs> i'm so really I'm good at the sleeping okay, but it's yeah you know. no totally i was just saying my one thing is then um, that i'm really got a lot of like self-discipline about is sleep because um the early starts you yeah. you could be tired for a day you could be tired probably for two days but when you are consistently yeah. starting work super early in the morning you just can't go to bed late you just can't do it it doesn't work anymore so I know that I'm always climbing into bed at nine o'clock which yeah. um everyone laughs about but actually it's necessary it really yeah. is yeah and pain in itself especially pain that's persisted for a long time becomes quite complex and there are physical changes in the brain that happen related to our pain centers mm. um in terms of how we experience pain and um what you know turns the volume up on our pain and what turns the volume down i.e., what makes it better what makes it worse and it's so much more than physical triggers um and i want to make a disclaimer here that by no means am I saying pain is all in one's head because that's the opposite of what I'm saying. But the point I'm making is that there are physical things that can trigger changes in our mind that will then trigger a painful experience that might have nothing to do with what we've done physically. So, for example... Um, I hope you don't mind me using this example, Anna, because you mentioned, you know, you had your, your car crash some years ago. Um, you know, any any conversation that might revolve around a car accident, for example, whatever it is, it might just be a day-to-day conversation that you've had with someone. That can signal something in your mind that has triggered a memory of some sort, which has the power, physically has the power, to alert your pain centre in your mind to then turn up the volume on pain, I say, and produce the experience of pain in the body. Our brains are so powerful, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. really interesting. Um, but now I was just going to say, sorry, back to the car accident is oh. my, and sorry to bring it, you know, talk about me, but my neck, it's like almost like my central nervous system completely rewired itself. And anytime there's any injury, stress, anything, it goes straight to the same place that was yeah. uh, originally injured and um you know yeah. i never had a single neck problem before and now yeah. all pain yeah. is there yeah exactly whenever we're a little bit under the weather whenever we have a stressful period in our lives whenever we're hungry even 
that is where it will manifest in your previous yeah. sort of problem or injury. That's where the nervous system is physically going to manifest, along with other things like an upset tummy or um, a headache, whatever it might be. You know, yeah. that's that tends to be where it manifests. Um, so in those moments, I encourage people to, well, first of all, try to notice those triggers. Like, what are those triggers that take you to that place? If you can, see if you can write down some some clear triggers and sometimes it won't be that clear but anyway give it a go and then in those moments do what you can to really nurture yourself look after yourself treat yourself as if how you would treat your child who's in pain or your best friend who's in pain or someone that you want to comfort extend that same love and nurturing to yourself like give yourself a big hug and do what you know helps you helps to lift you up or brings you out of a, that dark place whatever it might be or feel makes you feel a little bit better a conversation with a friend might all might be all you need um and uh, that can often then empower people to know what to do when it gets interesting so interesting no all i was going to say is this leads very nicely onto kind of our next question so um at what point should someone come and see a physio so if you are um you know like you said there are some pains that might um be not necessarily uh psychological but come yeah. from old issues um but yeah. like at what point would you say i need to see you yes um well certainly if you have you know an acute injury and it doesn't quite warrant a trip to the A&E, hopefully, but, you know, you've sprained your ankle, let's just say. Um, I would say try and get into see a physio um, in those acute phases as soon as you can, because, because we know pain is really complicated. It's important to see a therapist who appreciates that so that they can be managed, that injury can be managed properly um, from the get-go, not only from a physical point of view, like looking after you know the injury in the acute phases and make sure the healing is fine but also looking after that injury in the sense that you're that the person who's come through the door is being spoken to in the right way and they're not being told things that would make them become very fearful unnecessarily or um they're not held back when they should be told you know you can go out and do what you want to do now because mm -hmm those are the things that can sometimes affect what will happen later down the line. And if someone's not managed well in the acute phase, whatever that might be, um, whatever that might be for, it can end up in um, uh, complicated, painful situations later, like persistent chronic pain, which, which we all kind of manage on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't know if I know anyone, actually, who doesn't have an ache or a pain that comes back and frustrates them and annoys them and irritates yeah. them again for whatever reason. Um, so that's that from an acute point of view. Um, yeah, and I would say anything that kind of is brought about by, um, you know, an acute on chronic, let's just say. So a pain that is sort of with you long term, but it gets worse from whatever, for whatever reason. Try and see a therapist as soon as possible because often I find people who find me somehow they often are seeing me because they've had this pain for a long 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 time or they've just 
done it. I don't seem to get the in-betweeners, but yes. um, I think it's because, you know, I talk a little bit more about the complexities of pain, which a lot of physios do now, which is really good. And then I just really ensure that people are managed in the right way at the beginning when they might have an acute injury. And in, in, that, in those scenarios, I'm hoping that people don't really need to see me for very long because right. natural healing is a beautiful thing and your body will get better as long as there's, you know, you create the right, the right environment for that to happen. Um, so, yeah, as soon as possible, if you develop a pain, so it can be nipped in the bud ASAP because you don't want pain to be persisting for too long. All right, it's interesting. What's, you mentioned yoga and Pilates. What are your other exercises of choice? I saw you went spinning the other day. Oh, I love <laughs> spinning. Um, spinning is a way for me to get in um, a bit of cardio because I must be honest, I, I give up easily when it comes to cardio. Yeah. Yoga exercise, but... Um, I love spinning. I love strength training, as you might well know as well. And I, I, I find it hard during as the best of us, but I know why it's important um, for health, especially as a woman um, in her mid-30s. I know for bone health, muscular health, brain health, strength training does so much. So I try and do that. Um, I do love reformer Pilates. Um, as well because it's mindful and I like the apparatus it's quite fun and yoga just helps me declutter the mind a little bit um did you have a schedule yeah I was gonna say how often do you how often do you do each discipline yeah so I can't fit in um, them multiple times a week so I try and do at least one of them every week I would like to add try and add um, a second strength training session in um that would be ideal but Sometimes work and life takes over, so I end up doing maybe just three or four sessions. But one of yoga, one of Pilates, one of strength training, and then a spin. That's okay, kind of you do I've that done that. That's brilliant. I try to. I try to. Um, sometimes I'll get two out of the four in. Sometimes I'll do more of one and less of another. But if I've done that in a week, I'm, by Sunday I'm pretty happy. But you know, sometimes it doesn't happen. Yeah, right. That really is good. Um, we this is a question we ask everyone. I've got to ask it before sort of the final questions. This has led on nicely. And um, what is your absolute one non-negotiable that you fit into your week? Or you might have very well answered it. I don't know. But what's your absolute non-negotiable that you will not give up on? Um, my absolute non-negotiable. It's interesting. It's not necessarily a physical thing, um, but it's just a mindset. And um, it's maybe a bit cliche, but it's just to be kind. Um, oh, I and I think um, if one can be kind, then everything else seems to sort of fall into place. We, we look after other people. We look after ourselves and we hear other people's point of views and we try to help as best we can. Um, so I think that's my one non-negotiable in my day-to-day -day life. Just be kind. I, I thought that we could solve world peace with that. If 100%. everyone was just a bit kinder. I love it. <laughs> that's really nice. Things um, are complicated, aren't they? You know, yeah. <laughs> you can only hope. But, um, but yeah, um, that's what I try and live by, I think. 
Oh, that's really nice. I was going to ask, you know, um, if you had one bit of advice, whether it's from a health or a whatever perspective, um, what would you give? Is your one piece of advice or one bit of uh, nugget? Yeah. I think it just maybe um, a nice way to finish, but I guess it just to reinforce what we've talked about, if it's in terms of behaviour change, one at a time. If If you can't do, if it's all a bit overwhelming, try one thing at a time. And it's good motto for life as well. You know, when we're all a bit chaotic, just just do one thing at a time. Um, keep things yeah. simple, and then be kind. Yeah, so those I two. I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's really great. Oh, I've really enjoyed this chat. It's yeah, so it's nice really to speak to someone who works so closely to what we do, but yet so you know so different. And yeah. I love this sort of holistic approach you're taking, um, and it's definitely something that we could definitely uh, incorporate a bit more, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. But I do feel like we're starting to um, incorporate the whole. You know, yeah. the more that we have, the more we work with people, the more experience we've got, um, the more we understand that there is a lifestyle um, in in all the different facets and it's something we learned when we did our nutrition course as well yeah. that being healthy isn't only about the exercise you do and isn't only about the food that you eat but it's also about so many different aspects and focusing on that to really make those kind of long-lasting changes the stress yeah. management the sleep management the social uh, aspects of life yeah. um, all of that kind of stuff is is so important for a happier and healthier lifestyle um, yeah that you know we over the years have started to try and incorporate much more of that into our program and into our clients etc so um, yeah yeah uh, yeah it's interesting great well Thank i love you. following your um your recipes and your journey oh, yeah. so um, yeah, it would be great to keep in touch. And thank, then... Likewise, and thank you so much for your time. It, um, I know it was hard to find a slot, but we got there in the end. Thank you so much, Abby. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.